Hey, everybody. Welcome back to week three <laughs> of the Young Adult Podcast. Uh, yep. Welcome back. Um, just so you guys can get to know us a little bit better. Of course, we like to do these little questions at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so we're yeah, well, what, have you, what have you cooked up today for us, Leah? I cooked up nothing good. Um, what social media app do you use the most? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I... For a long time in high school, I didn't want to be like an overrated Instagram Reels person, so I I watched a lot of Facebook videos. There was there was one time for screen time uh, over the week, I had watched eighteen hours of Facebook videos. Johnny, uh, whoa, that's impressive. Yeah, it was it was it was rough. What what they do is they get the videos of like playing scenes from a show. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it's kind of a funny yeah, show. Yeah. And then it's like 40 videos later, and I'm like, oh, I've watched the whole season now on Facebook. Anyway. Wow. Um, I was on Twitter for a little bit, and then I realized that I'm a tech guy, and I don't want to be a stereotypical tech guy. So I left Twitter. Um, but now I'm probably on Insta. I'm one of those people who doesn't really ever post or post no, on my don't. story. But I just like being connected with people, mm-hmm. and I, I do watch a lot of reels. You're I, a watcher. I'm almost – I'm – I – I'm too ashamed to be a TikTok person, so I'm an Instagram Reels person. That's the way it works. <laughs> well, I'm not ashamed. I <laughs> am a TikTok person. Um, yeah, I TikTok is incredibly addictive, and I've yes. gotten to the side of TikTok that is just home improvement and room decorations. <laughs> and so they're fun. It's amazing because I get all this inspiration, and oh, uh, Johnny and I just moved into a house, Yay. so now I'm really like. Save, save. Yep. Oh, uh, men's essential bedroom things. Save, okay. <laughs> oh, that looks like a cool candle. Save, okay. <laughs> okay. Ooh, that's but- a $3,000 couch. I can't afford it now, but I want it later. Save. Dude, him's with an Eames chair. He's been talking about an Eames chair for the last oh. two months. Okay, if you don't know what an Eames chair is, it's like the one that like the like, uh, like therapists use. It's very like popular in like psychology oh, yeah, fields yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like set at this angle that is perfectly for your relaxation and it's like $6,000 and I'll never be able to afford it but it's my dream. We should ask our uh, director of counseling if she can source one for us used. Source. Wow. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so yeah, TikTok and lots of room decorations. <laughs> oh my gosh. But how do you ever actually go back and look at your saves? Yeah. I did oh. when I moved and I oh, okay, and I fair. found a lamp there that I had go. saved like there six months ago. Is that the cool one with the that's my favorite lamp mm-hmm. ever. I think it's mm-hmm. so cool. Yep. So I, for those of you who don't know, I am the marketing lady at Multnomah. So I am on social media an unhealthy amount because it's my job. Mm. I mean, actually, I'm healthy about my social media, but I'm on it a lot. But I think Instagram is definitely the one I'm on the most since that's where... I personally post the most, yeah. and then Multnomah I post for, and then Ice Cream Renaissance. For oh, those nice, of you who nice. know who that is, do social I media for them. Do social media for them. Sweet. Um, Are you more of a, a a post or a story person for your personal Instagram? Personal, I think story because of how easy it is to repost stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, probably that for personal, and then others, of course, it's posting, but. I am also on TikTok um, really bad because I watch um, reenactments of Karens. Oh, 
Oh, that's fun. I do not know why. It's it's half the screen is reenactments of Karen's and the other half is some like random thing that someone's doing. Oh, like the subway surfers? Yes. Yeah, that's what yes. I was gonna say. Yes. The gameplay. <laughs> the oh gameplay. man. <laughs> and what am I watching? The gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the opposite of Instagram, we're gonna talk about the Bible. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> we got to hear from jp uh this monday uh this last monday and jp is head or the not head pastor um, campus pastor campus pastor thank yeah. you yeah for campus, our east vancouver campus yeah. for our east campus um and then when we were all in middle school and high school he was the msm pastor mm-hmm. he has taught me for a long time isaiah you too mm-hmm. i love jp um i think the most memorable thing about jp is just how much of like a kid he is at heart like seeing him at camp and stuff like that yeah. he was always in the midst of everything always doing the crazy stuff so i just yeah well love a JP. prime example of his inner child is um, for the better part of I think it was five years. He had these bright red shoes. Yes, these, they the were these Nike. Oh. Well, I think like Air Force One or something. Yes, and he wore them every, every day. day. He wore them at like everything weekend services on stage yes. at, at the middle school group to camp. Oh my god, iconic. Yeah, JP in the red shoes. Wow, I totally forgot that about those. A, that is a blast from the past. Yeah, it's that's literally yeah. JP. And then he's got amazing kids. I love seeing his son Will grow up because just it's JP. It's a little JP. <laughs> and now he's in middle school. His son's in middle school. It's, it's a full circle for JP. So exciting, yeah. to have him. But yeah, we gotta we gotta hear from him. Um, so yeah, you want to kind of give us a quick summary about what we heard? Yeah. So it was the start of our um, foundation series when it comes to hey, like when we're talking about what it means to follow Jesus, what are some, what are some core beliefs, and let's, let's break them down, let's talk about them. So this week, we got a chance to talk about the Bible, and specifically three aspects, which, which are the, the canonicity of Scripture, which is how did the historical writings become what we now know as the Bible? So um, how were those combined to create this one text? Uh, secondly was, was transmission, which was... Um, the idea of do the do the manuscripts we have? How can we trust that they match what was originally written? So it's mm-hmm. been a few thousand years. There's lots of copies, but how can we trust mm-hmm. that um, the copies that we do have are accurate and um, close to the originals? And then the last one of those three aspects when we talk about the Bible was translation, which is how can we how can we trust that our English version of the Bible is an accurate representation of the original text, which was not written in English, um, mm-hmm. parts in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of just good little nuggets of wisdom that JP gave that night. But I think like the main idea that I really, really loved is, I think we've all heard the saying of like, a blind leap into the dark or a leap of faith or I don't know how else you could say that, but <laughs> but like that that kind of thing. And the way I feel like we've used it is so wrong hmm. to the way he explained it to it because he explained it to us is a leap of faith is not into the dark. A leap of faith is into the light because your faith should not be dark. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so that was like one little nugget. I was like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but going into the three aspects, canonicity, 
kind of what that is saying is the Bible can't be written by a random person. You know, and it wasn't written by random people. It had to be um, prophetic or apostolic. So a yeah. prophecy or from apostle. Uh, another thing within canonicity is consistency throughout the whole Bible, um, whether that's character of people or just of God in general, which uh, JP was kind of talking about how, like, well, you know, God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament feels very, very different. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you read some of the stories, it does feel different. But if you go into the characteristics of God, it's still the same. Um, and then the prophecies were already accepted by not only people within faith in that community in the time, but people in general, prophecies were used throughout that area. Um, and then my favorite part is references back and forth and connections Mm. back and forth. Within the Bible, within the Bible itself. Yes, within the Bible itself, um, JP gave the answer, or answer, the uh, example of how Peter writes about Paul in his letters, and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny within it, just saying, like, dude, these make no sense. Like, that's basically what Peter was saying. It's like, some of the things Paul says is crazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a site that I found, I think it was called theguardian.com, um, definitely go look that up. Has some really cool graphs of references and how many times a certain word is used. Yeah. Um, but the two that I really liked were references back and forth. And so one of them was just simple references back and forth was 63,779 references throughout the whole Bible back and forth. Of like, oh, like this verse is like talking about this other verse. There's 63,000 of those. Yes. Wow. Um, And kind of like one example would have been when Peter writes about Paul. Yeah, yeah. The Old Testament versus the New Testament references saying like how many times the um, death and resurrection is referenced in the Old Testament to the New Testament and other examples within that is 3,400,000 times. Three. 340,000. 3,400. 3,400,000 3,400, is what you said. 340,000. 340,000. A really big number. Numbers are hard <laughs> and that one's big. Very um, many. A lot. Yeah. A lot of That's the, crazy. A lot of the all the time. Yeah. Um, insane. Insane, insane, insane. And so it kind of shows like that graph, the way it looks, it's kind of like an oval if you slanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just shows it's just, it's, it's like a book. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a book, but it's like a book where you, when you read a book, you have like this character that goes through and it makes a mm-hmm. connection to the end, like the beginning and the end connect. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. You know, like it's, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> like I could go for hours about that. But if you want to look that up again, if you want to see those, it's theguardian.com. Yeah. And what makes, I think what's really cool when we talk about the amount of references between mm-hmm. different passages is there's 66 books in the Bible that are written over the course of a couple thousand years, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, there's, it's a wide from people in different cultural contexts mm-hmm. and time periods. Mm-hmm. And I, there, there's so much time distance mm-hmm. that separates all these books of the Bible. And yet they're all so incredibly close, prefer- you know, with their references. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, how, 
how could these not be divinely inspired? Yeah. How is how could God not be a part of it with how much they match up and mm-hmm. align mm-hmm. and are similar? Because there's like even stories or even the like parables, they are mentioned multiple times through the Bible because they happened. And it's like seen, because the Bible is a bunch of different books, obviously yeah. seen through other people's eyes. And so there's definitely stories within there. It's like one person's point of view versus the other person's point of view. Yeah. I think another another crazy number, which moves us into the transmission piece, which talks about like the copies of the Bible, mm-hmm. is is how many copies, even of just the New Testament yeah. we have. Um, I remember seeing this kind of stat years ago, and, and it, that was what blew my mind when I was talking about something. I was like, oh, yeah, like this was crazy. Yeah. And so what he says is, so we'll just take one of them, which is the Iliad. Um, has 643 manuscripts. So there's mm-hmm. 643 like copies that, that we have today of yeah, it. Which is a lot. And the, the earliest copy we have is fi- comes 500 years after we think the original was written. Mm-hmm. So there's a 500-year gap between the copy that we have and when it was originally written. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. That That's... That's a long time, but you know there was there's strong oral tradition, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The New Testament, a compared to the 643 of the Iliad, which is one of the like most copied pieces of literature we have outside mm-hmm. the Bible. The New Testament has 5,600 copies of it that we Insane. have. So almost ten times the amount, and the earliest manuscript we have is less than 100 years from the original. Yeah. And I think what's what's crazy about it is when we think about how how much of a difference that is you know it's mm-hmm. like saying like oh remember something five minutes from now versus remember something a year from now yeah. so i think that we should you know show a little example of this so Gosh, no. i have i have i have this idea <laughs> so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna read i'm gonna read a list i'm gonna read a little shopping list okay and what i want you guys to do is try to remember the shopping list okay we're only gonna you only have to remember for like 30 seconds okay, and then repeat yeah. it to me right terrible memory and this hopefully this will kind of give a little a little fun little example of of (laughs) what the difference is of less than 100 years to 500 years we don't have 500 years to sit here and try to remember our our grocery list oh dang but we do have five minutes (laughs) that would have been such a good okay here's my uh here's my fred meyer run grocery list okay let's see if you guys remember these tortillas and cheese breakfast milk snacks extension cord 25 feet bedside table or floating shelf look at desks drinks Blackout curtains, longer Ethernet cable, kitchen shelf organizers, Philips U for outdoor. So those are the things that I have. You know, it's there's there's only like eleven items. Um, I bet you guys can remember all of them. I'm not, you know, definitely not distracting you with using other words. I'm, I'm definitely gonna say that one of them is wrong because I'm in charge of the room that one of those items are in. So I at least have one. I at least have one. Okay. Uh, there's eleven. There's eleven things that I said. Do we get to work together? Sure. Okay. So it was tortillas and cheese. Tortillas and cheese. Breakfast milk. Breakfast milk. Snacks. Snacks. Extension cord twenty five feet long. Uh, floating shelf. Look at look desks. at desks. Uh, the kitchen organizers because that's my room. Phillips you for outdoor. Uh, drinks. Okay. I didn't remember half of that. I remember tortillas and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's like man, I really and the extension cord I got. Okay, so <laughs> I don't remember the last one. You guys had to remember this, you know, this list, these words, yeah. and you had which, thirty which, seconds which to try and uh, 
Repeat yeah, them. Okay. Which Please, ones did we miss? Yeah, which ones did we miss? Let's Bedside see. table. Oh, so close. Blackout curtains. Oh, uh, blackout yeah. curtains. Yeah. Ah. So imagine, <laughs> you know, only having your, like you and I are talking. It's like, okay, now that you got this, Leah, now you tell your kids and then those kids will tell their kids. And then a few generations from now, someone will write that list down. Right. So it's really important when we talk about manuscripts, having copies that are as close to the original mm-hmm. date further solidify and validate the fact that, yeah, this is probably what the original author was writing. Yeah. Which is crazy. The final bit is translation, which mm-hmm. is, I think this one's, this one's fun. Um, and with the idea of how can we trust the translation that we have, yeah. our English translation. Yeah. yeah. First of all, the people who do translations are amazing. Um, JP and called them them artists. Yeah, that's what he called. Yeah, yeah. not he, scientists. He said translating artists. is more of an art than a science. Yeah, because if you look at the translations, yeah. there are some words that you're like, I don't think that was a real word before it was in the Bible, or that word would make sense. But then when you have to translate it, you're like, this is the only way. It's a guessing game. It's a guessing game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's like there's lots of examples of um, of things like that. I think what's really fascinating with translations is there's there's kind of three general categories uh, when it comes to when we think about our English translations. We have we have these word for word translations, thought for thought translations, and then paraphrase translations. Word for word is the goal and the, the primary objective of a word for word translation is to go okay. There's the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic words that are being said. How can we take those and put them in English? Mm-hmm. And so we're going to sacrifice clarity of a sentence or something. It might sound a little clunkier mm-hmm. or a little bit confusing because we want to be as accurate as possible to what the literal, what the meaning of that word is um, when we're translating. The thought for thought takes that a little step further and says, okay, let's take a phrase, let's take a sentence and try and translate the best for our ability. Uh, which you had an example of when you're trying to translate something and it's, and it's not perfect and you have to do more of a thought or the idea of it rather than yeah. the word for word, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I used something that maybe people have heard before, but agape and love within that. But the word love in the English language is love. That's it. For you know, all kinds you of can, love. You can, yeah, you can. I love this brand Kirkland brand of water and I love my phone case that I have not sponsored by the way not sponsored <laughs> we would love a sponsorship though <laughs> Kirkland sponsor us. but you also like love your mom I love my mommy and my dog mm-hmm. um and those are all different kinds of love but yeah but we just use the word love yeah or you could say I really love mm. yeah another word. <laughs> um but the translations before um, English had three different kind or four different kinds that they kind of used, and so they have arrows, storge, philia, and agape. Did I butcher those? Probably only slightly. Yeah. You did pretty good. Thank you. Great job. I think I did a pretty good job. Um, but so the arrows is sexual love. Storge is family love. Philia is brotherly or friendship love. And then agape is God's divine and unending love. Yeah. So it's like, how do you find a word for all of those? For all those different versions of love in Greek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how? And so in the Bible, usually it's just love. Um, 
or they're going to paraphrase it, or they're going to try and take the thought and put yeah. it into a sentence. But it makes it hard, and that's when what Johnny was saying, which is like mm-hmm. it's more of an art mm-hmm. than a science because yeah. you have to. It's not like you can just go, oh yeah, they say uh, we can just use love for we talk about brotherly love and God's divine love. It's like well, we those mm-hmm. those don't give a clear picture. Yeah, because they're distinct in the Greek, and so yeah. how can make those distinct in English? That's important when you want to go into the translations and look at things. Yeah, because like one of my favorite verses has the word love in it, um, which I actually have never gone into looking at the other translations, which I feel like I should do to figure out kind of what. But it, it's First Peter four, um, I think it's just four eight. It says above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Chins. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But that love could be multiple different things. I'm sure it's just um, philia. But, yeah, translations is important. Well, and you, you had mentioned, which I think is a, a really cool practice, um, and I have an example of it, of being able to, when you're studying the Bible, mm-hmm. read from different different translations. Yeah. So a, a few popular translations and where they fall on the scale, right? We have our, our ESV, and our, which is our English Standard Version. Mm-hmm. Or KJV or King James or New King James Version, which those fall towards the word for word, right? They're they're really trying to go, hey, how close to the the original language and the words in those languages can we make an English version of that? That thought for thought translation, those that's your that's your NIV, uh, your NAB. It's it's kind of that middle ground of we're gonna we're not gonna just summarize a passage, but we're also gonna going to try and make it a little bit easier to read, a mm-hmm. little bit easier to understand. Yeah. And then that paraphrase is is just going, okay, what's the idea? What's the thought? What's, what is the author trying to say? And let's say it in a way that makes sense for readers today. So that'd be something like the message. There's a fascinating passage in 1 John, uh, which when you read it in three different translations, kind of feels like it says something different. So 1 John 3, 9 in the ESV says this, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. NIV says this, No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. The message translation of that says this, People conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. It's not in the nature of the God born to practice and parade sin. Here's how you tell a difference between God's children and the devil's children. The one who won't practice righteous ways isn't from God, nor is the one who won't love brother or sister. A simple test. It's just so much longer. Yeah, because <laughs> the message version doesn't go verse by verse. It took verses 9 and 10 yeah. and put them into one into one section. Mm-hmm. So, But all three of those, if you read all three of them, now you get a better picture of, of what the passage is trying to yeah. say. Yeah, and I yeah, that's a good, like you were saying, it's a good practice to do, especially when you even just get stumped on a verse, or you just see a verse and you're like, I need to know more of what this is saying. Because again, some verses you see are just like, what is this saying? Even this one is like, whoever's been bored of God does not sin, for the seed remains in him, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's just like, what what does that mean? And going into the other translations can help yeah. figure out what it's trying to say yeah i also think um i mean there are some christians who believe that some translations might be quote-unquote heretical or less Mm -hmm. accurate Mm -hmm. but i think like you guys have been saying looking into that like i think 
if you come across a really hard passage, it might be really helpful for someone to go to a more thought for thought or paraphrase yeah. translation like the message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, okay, I understand the general concept of what this author's trying to get at. Um, we we normally at New Heights use the NIV, the 2011 NIV mm-hmm. um, for our weekend stuff. But even Evan Ramirez, our middle school pastor, he talks about how a lot of them use an ESV study Bible mm-hmm. because they they – they have been reading the Bible enough that they understand the general message of most passages that they're that they're speaking or teaching, but they they really want to get into the the what is what is the most accurate way that we can read this word from mm-hmm. the manuscripts, um, and from there they can jump into the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic if they desire. Um, but just understanding that each one of these translations um, used in their correct con- context and for the right reason can be very, very helpful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's why we say we should study the Bible instead mm-hmm. of read the Bible. Um, because if you just, let's say you just read the message version and it's like, that's great. But there's also, there's there's more that you can read and can learn. So take the time. If you can, we have this beautiful thing called technology and we have you know, hundreds of translations at our fingertips. So yeah. why not read the passage multiple times at different mm-hmm. translations to That's give that clarity. That's what I love about like the Bible app. I use I think it's just the Bible app. The U version Bible app. The U version Bible app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can literally at your fingertips have every single kind of translation and yeah. language that is available. So we have we have all these translations and talk a little bit about you know how the Bible was was you know put together. But ultimately, why is the Bible important? Mm-hmm. Why why do we need to read the Bible? First and foremost, the Bible is the divine word of God. Yeah. Um, above all else, this is this is our foundation. This is where um, we we learn and grow and understand how to better follow Jesus is through the Bible. Um, if you're if you don't read the Bible and you're like, I want to be a better Christian, and the Bible isn't a priority, it's like. It's like talking to a friend to get to know another friend. So it'd be like (laughs) me talking to you, Leah, and going, Leah, tell me about Johnny. I really want to talk to Johnny. I really want to get to know Johnny, but I just got to talk to you about him. Right. It's that's like it's it's not it's not helpful versus Mm -hmm. me going straight to Johnny and saying, Johnny, I want to get to know you. Our best way to get to know God is through the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I mean, going off of our our three little words that we like to use um, authentic relational community, mm-hmm. it plays a part in every single one of those. Um, not only are you going to build an authentic relationship with those around you when you're reading the Bible with them, but also you need to build a relationship with God. And that is the way you're going to do it because mm-hmm. it's you can't just do it through worship. You know, I feel like that's something that I have fallen into multiple times. It's like, well, I worship all the time, so I'm fine. But no, like worship comes from the Bible. Um, And it's not always perfect. Some of the songs are kind of like, I don't think that's what we actually meant to say there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, it's just the Bible. It's the purest form of building a relationship with God um, and those around you. I think JP had three he had three different phrases that he used in his message when it talks about the Bible. And I think it's a really helpful way to be thinking about the importance of it. He said this, God's word is not just information, it's transformation. Mm. 
when I approach God's word as God's word, it will change me. Mm-hmm. Regular interaction with God's living word leads to spiritual growth. Boom. Perfect. The end. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also loved the way that he closed um, his his message on this because I think getting this deep in the weeds, it can be really easy to be like, yeah, we really need to focus that we have the right translation for this or for that. But mm-hmm. I think it's also important to step back and say the Bible was not created to be an airtight, um, perfectly cross-referenced book, even though it is. The Bible was created so that we as humans can see the love that God has for us. And mm-hmm. we like to say um, around here that it's a lot like God's love letter to humanity. Yeah. Um, and I think understanding that people do not get saved through reading the Bible. People get saved through meeting the God of the Bible and entering into relationship and have um, a relationship with the God of the Bible. Um, and just understanding that, that yes, the Bible is important because like you've been saying with worship, Leah, um, yeah. our central Vancouver campus pastor, Corey legend, um, <laughs> he likes us. He likes to define worship as declaring truths about God to God. And if mm, we yeah. aren't reading the Bible and learning those truths and the character of God for ourselves, we're not going to be able to worship God as much as we could because we we are singing these words and we might agree with them, but we don't know the extent. Yeah. Um, I think especially for me in the last couple months, I read through the Bible cover to cover and just the amount of times where I was like, man, I knew this was true, but the extent of which God keeps bailing out Israel when they keep being stupid or the <laughs> to the extent that they have sinned and God is pouring out this cup of wrath to them and sending the Babylon or the the extent that God loves us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his son, the son in the Trinity, um, mm-hmm. to a group of people that he didn't need to survive. Yeah. He he did not rely on us for anything, but because he loved us so much, he willingly sent his son to die for us. Um, and I think, like I've been saying, yeah, um, I'm I'm rambling a little bit, but just <laughs> but just. If we aren't reading the Bible, if we aren't taking it as our authority, then our relationship with God and our approach to worship isn't going to be what it could be. Yeah, because like you're saying, like some of the phrases in worship songs are like, that was weird. What does that mean? Like dry bones. Like, you had to explain it to MSM a couple weekends ago. Dry bones. What does that mean? Yeah. Reading the Bible, you would understand what is behind something like mm-hmm. that. And so, yeah. I, I think... It, when you talk about worship music specifically, it can make it a lot more powerful when there is an understanding. So, so that mm-hmm. song, uh, it's called "Here Again" by Elevation Worship, um, and it talks about dry bones awaken the Lord is in this place, and it's a reference yeah. to uh, in the Old Testament Ezekiel, who's a prophet, um, and God's been prophecy of dry bones coming to life. Um, as a symbol of Israel being raised again from the dead, which is a symbol of Jesus coming back from life and raising us from the dead. So it's like, it's this beautiful picture mm-hmm. of like, without Jesus, we're dry bones. With Jesus, we get, you know, flesh put on us and we become, you know, uh, who we are made to be in Christ. Yeah. And and so I got to explain that to middle school, which was a little challenging, yeah, but it was also really cool. Going because, over it, you're like, I don't know how to say yeah, this. But it was really cool because it's like, at the same time, hey, we're seeing this song and the reason why this is here is because it's in reference to the Bible, which is where our foundation is and it's where we want to point everything to because yeah. uh, it's the most important thing uh, 
that we that we have yeah. uh, to grow. And even faith. like those songs, like I was just thinking of another one, Oh the Cross. It's a new one we're gonna introduce into HSM. Um, and I was like, Oh, I'm excited to do this at MSM. And you're like, oh, I don't know if we can do this one for middle schoolers. <laughs> I was like, What do you mean? And I went back and like read the lyrics again. It's like mm-hmm. a sacrifice that changed hi- history. The nails in your hands, the hands that saved me. The nails in your hands, like some of these are really, really intense. Like the power of your blood is more than enough. And it's like really intense things like, oh my gosh, why are we like singing this? And again, going back into the Bible, reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, those words have so much beauty behind them, even though Mm -hmm. they're pretty gruesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the the sacrifice needed was intense, right? Because of our sin. Mm-hmm. And so a song like that is beautiful because it's going, hey, like here's, this is this is what it's going to take for redemption with God. Yeah. It's a really good song. It's a great song. I love it. Well, that's that's all that we have for today. Um, if you have questions, we, we'd love to hear them. You can, you can shoot us a text, 55498. Um, we'd love to chat with you. And also, we have a retreat coming up. Yeah! Uh, it's, we'd love for you to sign up, newheights.org slash ya retreat mm-hmm. it'll it be it'll be a great weekend july six, six to eight to eight we'll at, see there at the beach yep we're going to the beach it'll be a wonderful time yeah again thanks for joining see you next week <laughs>